what I find really interesting about storytelling is um, with a group of characters who aren't real or are real or, you know, or with, a, with a sort of certain amount of situations, if you do it in the right way, put the characters in the right order, put the sort of story structure in the right order, you can make people cry. You can make people smile. You can inspire people. You can depress people. You know, you can... I find stories just genuinely fascinating. Hello, my name is Elin Perez and you're listening to Are You an Artist? Today's episode is with Ben Wright, who speaks about telling stories, making movies, traveling, but also being a plant in a play. Ben has a rich life full of experiences, so I'm going to let you listen right now. Enjoy! So, hi Ben. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. <laughs> so I'm going to start uh, by reading a letter I've written to you. Okay. <laughs> Dear Ben, when I told you that I wanted to create a podcast, you helped me to get a first understanding of the material I needed. When I told you I needed a place to stay, you offered your sofa. I met you through our friend Gael, and I could tell that you were a generous, kind person But I didn't know at that time your background. When I discovered that you made movies, but also traveled all around the world, filmed in war zones or climbed the Kilimanjaro, I was very impressed. You have so many stories to share and working for charities, you definitely saw a lot more of the world than most people. This is why I'm delighted to have you here today. Thank you in this podcast and to ask you the first question. Are you an artist? <laughs> um I don't know how I'd necessarily answer that. I think um I think with filmmaking in itself it's uh, I I want to sort of say it's broader than just artistry and it's not at the same time. I think because filmmaking in itself is such a team effort. Mm. You know, you can come up with a really good idea but to bring that idea to life you've got to bring in lots of different people you've got to bring in lots of other ideas and other sort of thoughts um i think it's it's artistry in some respects but i, I think it's quite different to a lot of other things it's different to design work it's different to painting or writing which tend to be quite um You know, is is people of sort of unique talents working in their in their own industries? I think, with, like I say, with with filmmaking, I think it is something that is, it's it's just much more of a group effort. I think it, the artistry, as it exists within filmmaking, I think is um, is being able to get a group of talented people together to create something together. But it's also in sort of managing the process. It's an understanding how how to bring your idea to life i think is 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 the main part of the artistry i would say hmm. and if um you go back to your childhood your very first creative memory the very first creation can be a drawing it can be whatever so i originally wanted to be an actor when i was growing up and i remember my the first play I was in let me think which was the first one the first one I really remember 
It's going to sound a bit ridiculous. I was the plant in Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> so I, it was a non-speaking part and all I had to do was wear a silly outfit, a silly gigantic plant outfit and, and <laughs> dance around the stage. Oh, wow. Um, yes. There's a problem dancing as well. It, well, that wasn't quite dancing. It was more just kind of moving around. But my next role... How old were you for that plant? I would have been probably... 16 I think maybe oh okay maybe so um, yeah very much so I mean my when I was growing up my parents were involved in the amateur dramatics society so that was like local stage plays so I was I, I had a bit of involvement around that and I guess that's where my sort of artistry well my the sort of direction of wanting to be creative I guess started Then I was in that play and the director, despite the fact it was a non-speaking part, he, he sort of liked working with me. So the following year, I was the main character in a musical. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, it was it was called the Dracula Spectacular. And I was uh, <laughs> I was Count Dracula and oh. I had to sing quite a few songs on stage. So oh, I didn't know that you sang as well. I used to sing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um And from there, I got uh, cast as um, Tiny Tim in The Christmas Carol uh, in a local theatre that was a relatively big theatre back where I grew up. And I think that's where my real sort of love of acting started. And so I decided I wanted to become an actor and I went off to university to learn about it, to kind of learn some of the kind of academia behind it, but also just to kind of study techniques. And I remember like basically the course I felt was so bad. Was it, it basically killed my interest off within about a month. Like it really just like, I don't want to do this anymore. How come? How? I don't really remember specifically. I I just really got a sense of like, no, this is, this is just not for me. Um, but I was doing a theatre and film course. And so my kind of, passion for acting faded in one area and then went into another area filmmaking mm. and I mean to be honest the filmmaking course also wasn't particularly brilliant but me and a group of friends um we all went off and just decided we just want to make our own films so we got hold of whatever equipment we could find and we just started writing films Oh, nice. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was a nice way to go about it. And we kind of we used to set ourselves challenges of to write and shoot a film in a day mm -hmm. and um, and then edit it over the next few days. So we give, give ourselves little challenges and it sort of culminated in a horror film that I wrote and directed Um which I was relatively proud of. We had no money, so, you know, okay. but I was, I was quite proud of it. Is it available? Oh, I can send you a link to it. Okay, I will put it in the podcast notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> quite an old film now. Um, and so I guess from there, like, I, my, my first post-university job was managing photography studios. And it wasn't that hands-on as a photographer, but it was also in the sort of realm of photography and image creation And from there, I went off to go and work for a small TV channel. And uh, again, not the best place to work, but it was it was a good place to make mistakes. It was a good place to sort of learn. Yeah. Um, but the only interesting jobs that ever came up were the overseas jobs, which um, there was a member of staff who basically was always sort of allocated for those. And the sort of twist in my life, as it were, came when 
One day I received a phone call in the studio and the phone call was from one of the charities we worked with saying we have a shoot in Tanzania in two months time. It's for a documentary about a group of volunteers who are going to go to this place called Mafia Island. And at the time I'd never shot a documentary and I'd never traveled. Um, and I, they, they said, we have to confirm today who's going to go. So I just said, me, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically sort of booked myself on this shoot. Um, basically the guy who normally did these things, he just wasn't in the office that day. So I mean, literally had they called up any other day. You couldn't, you wouldn't my, have my, been able. My life might have gone in a very different direction. So I, I went to Tanzania and I shot this documentary. Mm. And again, I'd never shot a documentary before. But I was really pleased with it. I thought it was really, really good. Well, not really, really good, but, you know, I, for the first time, I thought it was, uh, it'd come out really well. I thought it was got some really good stuff in it. So I basically took the footage back home and started editing the film myself, which I wasn't really supposed to do. But <laughs> my sort of pride took over. I was like, no, I want to do a good job of this. So I made this film, this documentary, and the charity afterwards turned around to me and said, um... We like your work, but we also like the way that you just get stuff done. Do you want to come work for us? And that mm. was basically what sort of started me off in um, in this industry. So, wow, yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. Very kind of I have had a very kind of curious from car a plant? career from a plant <laughs> <laughs> to this. And I yeah, I mean it's kind of like. Um, I don't know, it all, especially at the start, it all moved very quickly. Like my, my first couple of trips overseas were very sort of intense ones. Um, so, it was, you know, it was it was really interesting to suddenly just start this whole new sort of line of work and to sort of jump in the deep end, I guess. So. Mm, and do you remember when you were, I don't know, around eight, nine, if you had like a dream job, if you knew what you wanted to do, was it already acting? I, I think the earliest one I can remember was acting. I don't think anything, I don't really remember any kind of other job that I was, I really sort of wanted to do when I was a kid. So okay. I, I don't really sort of remember. I think I was just, I guess I was just, you know, probably the way I run my life normally is I was just floating around <laughs> <laughs> until something sort of landed at my feet. And I, you know, I, there was lots of, lots of things I was kind of had interest in, but I think it was acting that really sort of jumped at me when I was when I was younger do you so know me, why would... was it by watching movies or going to the theater because of your parents or I think it was just being on stage I think there was just something about just being on stage and kind of just I don't know just getting into this character as character and just becoming this sort of characterization and kind of I don't know the kind of sense of drama around it I don't know I, just, I found it all really fascinating you know there's also The other part of me is that like, I like to understand how things work. So when you're kind of, you know, an actor in a play, you also then see how stagecraft works and how those sort of lighting systems work and how you kind of set it all up. So I, I found it sort of not just the acting itself, but all of it. All sort of just generally sort of very interesting. But I mean, the the film thing, like people have often asked me like how I got into this line of work. And like I say, I got into film kind of by accident and then I kind of got into this line of work. <laughs> kind of by accident it all just I don't know I guess that maybe sort of speaks a bit to my personality but um I don't know it was all just very spontaneous and it all just felt very just right you know just I just sort of moved in this direction I moved in that direction mm. so are you still working like this 
a bit, like very spontaneous, just following or? <laughs> I mean, I suppose as a, as you get older, you sort of maybe start to think you need to have a bit more of a plan. I mean, the creative industries can often be just a bit of a whirlwind in and of themselves. So, you know, I think that is... Um, Backup plans are needed. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I think you, you, you can have a sort of a sense of where you're going, but, you know, sometimes it can be quite arbitrary. You know, like, like I say, like, if you'd have told me, you know, 20 years ago that I would have been travelling all over the world covering conflicts and disasters i would have not believed myself <laughs> so <laughs> wow and when you create something new how what's the feeling driving it i so i suppose this goes back to um i as much as film is my thing but really for me filmmaking is the kind of I suppose I describe it as like the vessel of, I guess, what my sort of true sort of passion is, which is just sort of storytelling. I find storytelling just to be very fascinating. I think what I what I find really interesting about storytelling is um, with a group of characters who aren't real or are real, or you know, or with a with a sort of certain amount of situations. If we do it in the right way, put the characters in the right order, put the sort of story structure in the right order you can make people cry you can make people smile you can inspire people you can depress people you know you can i find stories just genuinely fascinating so when i'm involved in a project i what really drives me is looking at what is this story like what's the what's the what's the really interesting part of the story what's the part of the story that's really going to kind of emotionally engage someone and how do we make the most of that how do we establish the characters that make the audience want to care about them how do we progress the story in a way that kind of keeps the pace up how do we then build up to the kind of big emotional moment and what is it we're trying to make the audience feel are we trying to make them feel you know do we want them to do something do we want them to feel something like what 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 is it we're trying to achieve here and I think, you know, that alongside the the challenges of filmmaking, like filmmaking is tough, like it is really difficult. Things go wrong all the time. You've got to think on your feet. You've got to sort of have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Um, so it is just kind of like, it's a very kind of, um, what's the right words? Like, um, it's very sort of malleable stories like you're going through it and you just you find that maybe the story isn't what you expected it to be maybe it's better than what you're expecting it to be so it's the sort of thinking on your feet going like I need to sort of tell this in a really sort of interesting way and then when you get to the end you know I have been um sort of going on a bit of a reputation through various charities I work with for being able to make people cry and I hope that's in a good way <laughs> I'm sure it is um <laughs> But, you know, like when you when you're sort of seeing people watching one of your films and they're kind of, you know, just becoming emotional, you know, I, I feel like that is that, you know, that is me. Like I've done a good job. Hmm. And what's your favorite part of the creative process? Is this the, the very beginning? Is it at the end mm. when the product is finished and that you can see the emotion in people's eyes or 
That's a good question. It's kind of, I think with, with again, with filmmaking, because it's such a, it's often such a long process, you know, there is the kind of, there's the kind of coming up with the idea, there's the pre-production, there's the production side of it, then there's the post-production side of it. Yes, what, how, um, how long more or less, like? I, it very much depends on the films. I mean, I've worked on films that have taken like eight months from start to finish and I've okay. worked ones that take like, you know, a day. Oh. It's all, it depends, like sometimes you have the footage already, so you just need to get it done. Um, I think the way I've always sort of described like specifically being a film producer is it's almost like drawing two dots on a piece of paper. So the first dot is the idea. The second dot is the film itself. And the, the job of a producer is to keep the line between the two of them as straight as possible. So things will go well and the, the line will go up. Things will go badly. The line goes down and you've just got to keep keep it moving along, but trying to keep it sort of as, as sort of flat as possible. So, yes. so the final thing Not is... Not too many as high and downs. And... Yeah. So the, so the final film is as close to what the original idea um was intended to be and i think like there, there's there's a sort of genuine excitement once you've come up with an idea of thinking this is a fantastic idea and i'm really excited about this and then mm -hmm. there is that kind of trepidation of oh man it's a lot of work <laughs> to go <laughs> to make this into an actual thing <laughs> and here's all the things that can go wrong and here's all the kind of things we can have along the way um So I, I think that there's sort of certain points. There's a point where you've got the idea. I think there's the point where you're actually then going into the, the filming itself. I always find that very exciting because you've got everything in place then. Mm. Um, you've, you've almost sort of got a bit more sort of control over it. And then there's there's a particular moment in the editing where you've you've sort of prepped everything. You have all the footage And you can get into that, the really sort of creative part of it where you start moving things together and go, okay, that works there. This doesn't quite work here. Let's move this scene to this bit here. Let's juggle things around. And you sort of see it coming together. That's the part I really enjoy the most, I think, is, what, mm. is when you actually start seeing all the sort of parts that you've... It's almost like you've, you've been building your own puzzle And the editing process, that particular part of the editing process is when you start to see your the puzzle coming mm. together. Wow. It's very playful, I guess. Yes, this kind of I yeah, I've always sort of described it as like a it's like a puzzle with a thousand answers. You know, oh. there, there's no kind of definitive way because you often have like, you know, you might have like, you know, somewhere between 20 to 300 individual shots for a film that you can use. So That's you know, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it can take, you know, it, it takes a certain eye to look through footage and go, okay, that shot will work really well. That shot would work really well if we have a quote that's going to sort of say a certain thing. Let's go for the quotes and you start sort of like piecing different things together and then you have little mini scenes and go, okay, well, this scene will work at the start of the film because it's going to really sort of emotionally resonates with the audience or maybe this scene we need later on to create a bit of tension mm. um, just to try and sort of bring the audience interest maybe back up or maybe we need to bring it back down again. So it's all these kind of like thoughts that go through your head as you're, as you sort of piece all this together. Mm. So. Mm. And what are you looking for when you make a movie or 
I think like the, the number one thing, and I, I, I think this sometimes also then comes down to a mistake that people make is I think you, you've always got to make a film for an audience. I think that is, that is a mistake I think a lot of people make is that they, they, you know, they make a film for themselves, but you're not making it for yourself. You, you want to make it for an audience and you want to, you want to make it do something for an audience. So my, my favorite quote about film is, uh, I was listening to a, a, a sort of film lecture once with a guy called Park Chung-wook, who's a Korean film director who directed, um, the, the vengeance trilogy, which includes, uh, old boy, which is probably his most famous film. And, um, in this, in this lecture, he says, if you want to turn your brain off, go and have a bath. If you want to learn something, go and watch a film. And my mentality is any film you watch, even if it is terrible, <laughs> you can always learn something from it. And the test I always give myself for that is like, I have only ever seen one of these, but the Fast and the Furious films is the example I often give because, yeah, they might be mindless trash. People could debate the, that with me. <laughs> but, you know, but the fact of the matter is they keep making a billion pounds. In some way, shape or form, the Fast and the Furious films are tapping into something in our current moment in society. What that is, you know, is... is like the interesting thing i think this is what again you can learn from a film i, I you know you can watch one of these films and go i haven't learned anything from watching the film but if you analyze the film and go it's tapped into something it's saying something about our current you know place in society where history is where culture currently is that it has tapped into you know people don't have to go and see these films but they do and they can continue to do really well so what is it about these films that you're learning? So I think, again, like sort of going back to your original question, it's, it's, it's always the audience, you know, it's always like, you know, what, what do you want the audience to walk away from this film feeling or doing? And that's, that's, yeah, that's the main thing for mm. me. And how do you find working with all these, the people, do you f prefer to have a smaller team or... I, I mean, it sort of depends on the film you're working with. I mean, like a lot of the time, you know, you, bringing in different expertise is just, is just an important part of it. Um, I mean, so like getting lots of creative people together can have its problems in itself. You know, <laughs> chaos. there are chaos, there's <laughs> egos, there's agendas, there's thoughts, you know, like there's a lot. And, you know, a big part of being a producer is basically sort of managing all of this, you know, and it's, you know, like certainly that there's a certain point where you, you want to bring in people's expertise. Like, you know, you my expertise are limited in a lot of ways. So I'm actually sort of, you know, if I'm bringing an animator, I've got, you know, a sense of what I want to do. But, you know, they are an animator. So I want to get their thoughts, you know, like bring me your ideas as well. Um, and there's a certain point of also them managing that as well and just making sure it doesn't go too far off the rails you know because too many people's opinions ultimately i think that that's the biggest challenge when it comes to filmmaking is 
all the people involved, all the various stakeholders, there's just there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of people thinking it should be this or it should be this. We should focus mm. on this and focus on that. And again, it's like a it's like a puzzle with a thousand answers. So you know that you can often do all these things, but what you can't do is all of it at once. You know, so you've got to sort of manage expectations, and you've got to um, utilize your talent well and bring in expertise um and just make sure it doesn't go too far off the rails but i mean i, I suppose the other thing to worth saying as well is like i i, I don't know, i really get on with like people with a good expertise in film or just you know sharing that kind of that kind of camaraderie sharing that kind of experience and sort of you know knowing what it's like making films and just sort of bringing all different people is fantastic. It's, it's really great, you know, and I think that's probably the part that I, I do enjoy most. I mean, there was a series of films I've I've sort of made in the past where it was just, you know, we had a bit, a bit of a sort of rolling, rolling um, crew, different people coming in and out at different sort of stages of it. And it was the best part of it, just being on the shoots, just being with the crew, just like talking with people who just, you know, who just work on the ground for film. Mm. It's just, you know, it's, you know, I, I always feel like very sort of connected with, with people that do that line of work. So. Yeah, I guess it's like a bit like going on a journey together. Like you're working in the same direction. You want. Yeah. Yeah. The project to grow and. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you also want to share in the successes of it, you know, like at the end of the day, it's regardless of whose idea it was at the start of the project, it was only ever, you know, only ever comes together through lots of people's hard work mm. and at the end of it just sort of making sure you know this is why people often have like rap parties in the films just to make sure that you know everyone kind of can just um you know just like deflate a little bit after after <laughs> where it's often like very intense and very stressful you know there's budgets flying around there's kind of equipment and there's shoots and there's production schedules and actually at the end of it you just you finish it and you just you know you just just relax so mm. Where was your favorite trip that you had to do? Um, I have thought about this in the past. It's, it's sort of difficult to say. I think, I mean, I've, I've been on a lot. I've been all over Africa. I've been to, you know, quite a few Asian countries. I've, I've dabbled in Central and South America and sort of covered quite a lot of the Middle East. I would say there was one month in particular uh, it was probably 2014 where I did this shoot in Niger. So this was like proper Sahara desert. Um, it was on the sort of Niger, Nigeria border. And, you know, I mean, you know, it was a really remote place. It's the sort of place where really just very few people ever visit you know, like meeting people who live a desert life, you know, hmm. like, uh, like there was a, there was a ring, like a massive thunderstorm out there one day. So again, like it wasn't just desert life. You see a very rare occurrence of a rainstorm and you go out the next day and everyone's in the fields and everyone's farming and doing their crops because it's, you know, one of the sort of few opportunities. So that, that was really fascinating. And then I came back home for a week and then went to Myanmar <laughs> And I think Myanmar was probably the best trip I've done in that the things I experienced on that trip are just such a rare thing to experience. 
And so we, we got there. And this was during a period where the country was at the time starting to open up a bit more, starting to um, allow, starting to sort of attempt tourism into the country. Mm-hmm. And we got to the capital and then we, we there was an eight hour drive followed by a four hour boat ride to the one of the two villages we, was, we were going to stay in. And it was in the middle of the jungle and... The villagers in the first village said, I mean, we have never met, like, foreigners. Like, people that come to visit this village will come for a day and they'll be gone by, you know, by the end of the day. That two people have come from another country and will be staying in this area for two weeks is just unheard of. Like, there were 70-year-old guys, like, we have never met people from another country. And we stayed in this kind of like, uh, like a church and, you know, we, we were in the village itself. You know, we lived this, the village life with them. We ate with them and we sort of celebrated with them as well. On the, on the day we arrived, a baby was born and we were invited to, uh, the baby naming ceremony where my colleague, um, came up with a name for the baby and everyone in the room starts saying the name, saying the name, saying the name to see if they like the name. And I, I was really sort of struck at the time. I was like, so few people will ever get to see something like That's this. That's so beautiful. And I, yeah, I feel really privileged. And I mean, again, like, you know, we, every night, each household in the village would cook us up like a dish. There'd be a big bowl of rice in the middle and then we'd have like things like deep fried crab or oh. this, I think I, my colleague was vegan, so we couldn't really eat much. So I think everyone was sort of testing me a little bit. So they kept giving me progressively stranger and stranger foods <laughs> to see if I'd go for it. And I was like, well, I'm here, so we're going to go for it, you know. <laughs> um, and there was also, there was one night where the the church we were staying in, so a lot of the sort of village elders would come along in the evening just to sort of hang out with us. Uh, we, had, we had a translator there so we could sort of speak briefly but you know that we i think it was a sort of fairly good connection and then one night out of nowhere the church got invaded by um these just flying insects they said they'd never seen anything like it before but like literally like thousands of these things just descended onto the church and they got these kind of like the strip bulbs and they put them in the corner and the lights the big bugs would go to the lights and they got big buckets of water. So literally sort of just scooping up handfuls of these insects and just into the bucket, scoop oh, four wow. into the bucket, scoop four into the bucket. That's like a movie-like scene. It was pretty dramatic, yeah. Um, and there were a lot of very big spiders, very, very Ooh. big, very <laughs> scary spiders out there as well. But, you know, the, the other thing was like the, the people we met there were just, um, I don't know, it was just really interesting people. Like they, they had survived a monsoon, they survived like a cyclone and it was a really bad cyclone they had like really sort of fascinating stories about one woman who was pregnant and was literally holding onto a tree for dear life and her husband i think was if i remember rightly was trapped in the church and they both assumed that the other one had died and in the morning they reunited you know obviously burst into tears you know didn't think oh, the other one wow. had survived um yeah, yeah, it was just a lot of sort of warmth and generosity. So I think, I mean, that that one was really interesting. And what also made it interesting for me is 
my grandfather was a Japanese prisoner of war and was taken to Burma to work on the railway of death. So, you know, he eventually came back to the UK and never really sort of spoke about his experiences. But I have often wondered um, how he would have felt knowing his grandson went back out to that country. Oh, wow. It's like <laughs> um, yeah. so powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, like to know that my family has a history there and it's not a particularly very pleasant history. It was quite brutal, I would imagine. Um, and I had, you know, I had quite a nice time. And it was it was surprising because like, like Burma, as it was known at the time, had such a bad reputation when it comes to journalists. Um, what were you doing there? Was that like for a documentary or...? It was for a charity. So we were documenting some charity work out there. Okay. Uh, so we're getting like a sort of suite of, suite of things. Um, but, you know, I was there with a, with a, with a camera and a, and a brighter, you know. So, I mean, we were going for like security checkpoints in the middle of the jungle. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is a really, you know, country doesn't have a good reputation when it comes to this thing. And we also had no form of communication. Like we were in the middle of a jungle oh dear, <laughs> for two course. weeks. So, um, so different. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really interesting trip. Like it felt like. It felt very unique, you know. I feel very privileged to have gone on that one in particular. Hmm. And when you, I don't know, when you finish the creation of a documentary, for example, what, how do you know when to stop? When the project is finished and you say, okay, I'm not going to do anything more now. I mean, it's, it is difficult because there's always, no matter how well a good job you've done, there's always more you can do. You can always improve something and there is a certain point where you just got to go that's enough like that this 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 is working and i'm really pleased with it uh, of giving yourself deadlines is a really good way of working because you know if you don't give yourself deadlines you can be working on something for years and it's mm. you know not that necessary at a certain point you've got to question is what i'm doing a you're going to be noticed by the audience and b is it going to enhance the the sort of viewing experience for the audience um and yeah i mean it's, it's it's difficult when you reach the end of a project um there's one i worked on once and this was the most depressing one where i'd worked in this film for eight months if i'm honest the film wasn't particularly brilliant as a sort of 40 minute documentary and i didn't really i don't think it sort of came out as well as i'd hoped but there was a big the charity I was working for at the time arranged this like big cinema screening of it mm. so in a room with like you know about 50 to 100 people watching this film and it sort of comes to the end of the film and there's the big sort of culmination of the film and everyone sort of reflects on what they've learned and what it was like you know and um <laughs> the kid as the credits start to roll the kid in front of me obviously not realizing who i was i could hear him just say oh my god thank god that's over <laughs> <laughs> well fine <laughs> eight months of my life gone there <laughs> um so that I, was that was a bit depressing <laughs> i don't know if you have this expression in french we have an expression that says that truth come out of um kids mouth yeah yeah that's yeah yeah <laughs> um <you know. laughs> that's so funny <laughs> so i mean that one was depressing but you know like sometimes like, i i guess like a good way of knowing is if you show the film to people and just see if they like it you know see what oh, their sort yeah. of thoughts are of it as well so hmm. what do you like the most in your work i think i like the kind of 
it's working with other people. It's kind of, you know, it's sort of sharing the kind of creative experience with other people. I I enjoy that, you know, just kind of like, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're working with a really good team of people and you just go, you know, this, this camera person just gets it or this editor understands what I'm looking for and just, and can bring their own sort of flair to it. I think that's, that's something I really enjoy. Um, Yeah. And which project are you the most proud of? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think the one I'm most proud of, um, and it was probably more in its reception than, than anything else, but there was a, a film about a midwife called Alice who lives in Liberia who um, who has at least 800 babies, well, children now, some of them people named after her. Oh, she has this really remarkable history and the, the, she's delivered. We don't know how many, definitely over a thousand, many, many babies. The first baby she ever delivered was at gunpoint. And the only implement she had was a bottle, a broken bottle. And she's been delivering babies all of her life. She has this remarkable legacy. And um, we, as part of the filming, we try to arrange for as many kids called Alice to show up at the maternity clinic where she worked. And we thought we'd get like, 20 kids turn up and we had about 100 kids turn up in wow it was really sort of it was just it was nice to do kind of just like a nice story there was no kind of like <laughs> bad elements to it it was just like a really sort of nice story you know it was just very kind of heartwarming and very kind of you know sweet cheerful so mm. you know I, I think that one will always stay with me you know I think yeah mm. and other that movies what type of art touches you or attracts you i i think it sort of comes back to my sort of love of stories and storytelling i think one of the problems when you when you because one of my one of my sort of things is that i it's not just i sort of you know i'm very sort of passionate about storytelling i also understand the science of storytelling so i I can watch a film and in the first five minutes I can sort of calculate and go, that character is in this film for this reason. This character isn't going to last more than 10 minutes because they just need to up the ante or something, you know, and you can kind of, <laughs> you can sort of like basically sort of piece out how the film is going to work. And then it's, it's sort of difficult to get swept up in it. But in saying that, when I do find a film or a TV show or, or, or a book or really any sort of form of storytelling where, all the pieces just work together and I, and I just do get swept up in it. Like, like, like it almost like turns off my faculties. I don't think about that. I just think like this story is compelling and it is drawing me in and it's pulling me along and, you know, for, for, all, for all the trash that there generally is, you know, what, <laughs> you know, you, not everything can be a success at the end of the day. But when you actually sort of find something, you just go like, this is just excellent. This is just, you know, really kind of like the top level of talent has put this together and created something that is sort of genuinely very compelling. I think that is, um, you know, when when I find something like that, I really sort of like dig into it, you know. I mean, you know, like I say, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to enjoy films and filmmaking and tv shows because of that but you know again when i do find something it's just really sort of you know just just reminds me why i love what this 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 the whole thing so 
And as a human being, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your strength? Uh, I think um, I guess there's there's a certain amount of resilience has had to go into sort of my personality. I think there was there was a certain points so after my second trip this was to pakistan in 2010 and it was to cover the floods out there and even to this day it's probably one of the hardest trips i've ever done like i you know i saw a boy die on this trip and i worked in a cholera hospital for a week and traveled all over the country and saw like real sort of devastation from the floods and there was a point where after the trip had happened I came back home and I started developing these lumps on my leg and I was like it's a bit strange so I went to the doctors like one lump got so big I could fit my hand around it oh, so I went to the doctors and I said you know I've just come back from Pakistan and this is happening and they're like go to A&E now so I went to the hospital and I stayed there for about a, uh, just under a week and about four days and had like a full operation on my leg. Mm. Um, I remember lying in bed afterwards, you know, it was nighttime, so no one could visit me there at that point. I remember sort of thinking to myself, you know, I, I had basically gone from working on like politics shows and lifestyle shows to suddenly covering like a massive natural disaster and seeing really awful things in a very short amount of time and here I was in hospital having had an operation off the back of that and there was a real point I think then when I was like I could have just said this is too much for me <laughs> this yeah. this isn't right but that's not what I felt I felt like I've gone through this really sort of difficult, challenging experience and I've come out the other side of it and I feel very infused by it and I want to continue. And I think I had to build up a certain amount of resilience because, you know, like uh, you get to travel to very exotic places and meet remarkable people, but you also see and hear the worst that humanity has to offer and that is challenging you know it's i have heard things that will stay with me for the rest of my life you know like really whatever you think you can imagine that people will do to each other is not as bad as the reality of what people will do to each other in the right circumstances yeah. and you know you have to build up a certain amount of resilience to be able to process all of that so i think that's that's probably my strength is that I I always went into this line of work with my eyes wide open and, you know, just, you know, the, the fact that I've sort of did it for so long, I think, and managed to sort of, you know, maintain that resilience <laughs> up to a certain point. It's um, quite something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it says about me in particular, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that scares you? Um, on a kind of, um, <laughs> I guess a more sort of cheerful level, um, my, my four main phobias 
were spiders, needles, flying, and heights, all of which I've had to deal with in very extreme circumstances. <laughs> I have encountered some very big spiders, and I have been injected with about every vaccine known to mankind. I've climbed up mountains and walked along very sheer cliffs and have almost been in a couple of plane crashes. <laughs> so I've had to deal with all my fears and a sort of very kind of... Um, um yeah very extreme circumstances so so yeah as i suppose in that regards um i suppose my my fear was um my my big fear is kind of just getting too sucked into this you know that there are many stories of people that got very very sort of sucked into this line of work and it's it became very all-consuming and i think that's probably one of my fears i don't want to get sort of you know get entirely sucked into it and just become my entire identity i guess <laughs> and what's your strongest desire in life um i think as of now just like connections i like i you know i i, I know people from all over the world i've met people from all over the world but it's it's you know it's Like, I just desire, like, you know, to be connected with my friends and my family and, you know, just, like, special connections. And I guess, like, yeah, it's, that's what means things at the end of the day, you know. You, you know, I, I can get involved in lots of things all around the world, but at the end of the day, it's the kind of, you know, it's, it's those around you that matter most. And I think that's that's always been my desire of, like, you know, just, just having a really sort of solid community of people, you know, around me who I can, you know, be involved with and, and support them and they can support me and just you know mm. i think that's you know yeah that's mm. that's why i always sort of gravitate towards just like a really sort of solid group of friends you know mm. and do you want to be liked or approved and by who i think if you want to be liked and approved don't become a filmmaker <laughs> <laughs> why i, it, I like, hated <laughs> you've you've really got you know like there are battles galore to be had <laughs> um you know like you, you will never please everyone <laughs> like um you know you've you've got to be sort of proud of what you do but also detached enough that when people criticize your work say this film isn't good or you know like make this change or that change you you've got to sort of suck it up but um yeah i i wouldn't say You've, I'd say you have quite a thick skin <laughs> for this line of work. So, um, yeah, I, you know, like people, people can make their own judgments, but you know, I, I have no desire to. I suppose I have a desire to for the audience to like it enough, but you know, I, you know, it's an audience they will probably never meet. So I mean, <laughs> mm -hmm. and is there anyone who inspires you? There's. Um, I suppose like the the one filmmaker in particular who I've sadly never met, not yet anyway at least, um, who always inspired me the most is a guy called Werner Herzog, who he in his earlier years, like he made these just incredible films, but it's it's not just he made the films, like for all the things I've said about, you know, the challenges of filmmaking, you know, working with crews, working with ideas, working with challenging situations, he took all that and he went into like jungles and shot like feature films in jungles um 
like there's sort of legendary ones like there's one called the wrath of agaru and fitzcarraldo just like there's a behind the scenes documentary of fitzcarraldo which i thoroughly recommend watching because it is just like the the fact that he was able to put these films together is nothing short of remarkable and the fact that they are incredible films is again just testament to his work um but I guess, like, I was always, like, inspired by his mentality and the, the fact that he was able to go into challenging situations and jungles and, you know, difficult places and, and shoot these films is amazing. And he's also, he's just, like, a really interesting character as well. I remember hearing a quote from him once where he said, like, like young aspiring filmmakers will come up to him and so, like, I've shot, like, 90 hours of footage and I want to make a film. And his response is, you're a filmmaker, not a garbage collector. <laughs> like, shoot your films properly. <laughs> I always sort of, you know, admire, admire this sort of, like, work ethic. So. <laughs> well, if you're an animal, what would you be? <laughs> um, probably an alpaca. I found alpacas to be um charmingly like ludicrous creatures i don't know what this animal is I... like a like a llama oh okay yeah um i oh, don't know wow, yeah. i find them just ludicrous creatures but i just i, I don't know i can't help but admire them <laughs> <laughs> and what's your favorite color um i don't know i don't know i have a favorite color in particular i suppose maybe maybe red but i wouldn't i couldn't say why oh. Hmm. And what makes you happy? Uh, I think what makes me the the moments of happiness I uh, most are you know when you're sort of surrounded by you know like your closest like friends and just you know just enjoying kind of life you know hmm. I think that's that's the sort of happiest happiest moments for me it's just when you're kind of yeah with with good people sharing good company. <laughs> Not fun. the bad ones. <laughs> Not the bad ones, no. <laughs> do you feel like now you know yourself pretty well? I do. Uh, for better and worse, I'd say, you know, knowing yourself is uh, as much a blessing as it can be a curse. Um, but I think I have a pretty good understanding of, of who I am. And I don't know, like you, you sort of reflect, uh, you know, I, I've certainly reflected recently around, you know, the reasons I got into this line of work. And, you know, kind of kind of why I did it, really, I guess, you know, I guess um, what sort of drew me to this this sort of direction. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd say I know myself sort of pretty well at this point. Hmm. So. And how do you learn and grow? I think. If I were to sort of take a well, go back and sort of give myself advice in that regard, I think sometimes you just need to sort of stop and reflect, give yourself points where, you, you know, especially when you're sort of in the intensity of work in the middle of projects or, or projects and doing lots of projects and, and you're doing this, and you're doing that. Just give yourself time to um, just reflect every now and then, you know, just like go like, uh, you know, are, are there... I'm enjoying this work, but are there other things I'm not sort of focusing on? You know, I think that's that's a good way to grow and learn is just to, 
you know, re reflect on your, you know, fi find good points where you can reflect and just sort of think about, you know, like what is it that you want, you know, from life? You know, what, what are you trying to achieve and how are you trying to achieve it? Hmm. And what are you trying to achieve now? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I guess at the moment I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm exploring kind of a, a, a slightly kind of new career path as things stand. I think what I'm trying to achieve at the moment in myself is like, I, I would say, and I think there's a certain point where, you know, especially in the creative sector, you've, you've sort of got to draw a line sometimes and say like, I achieved more in my career than I ever thought I was going to achieve. I achieve, you know, I travel around the world. I made films, you know, some of them got like, like a lot of attention, you know, and I could see, I could continue down this route, but there's a part of me that just feels like I, I probably have achieved everything I, I, I would like to achieve in terms of, you know, my own sort of personal achievements, you know, climbed up Mount Kilimanjaro and, you know, <laughs> Boasted on Lake Titicaca and slept in the jungle in Burma and, you know, like shared a meal with people in the Philippines and, you know, just like lots of sort of crazy things I've done in the past. Um, I think now what I'm trying to achieve is just, um, I don't know, just more life, you know, like it's what what really matters at the end of the day are just you know the the people around you and just being able to sort of enjoy yourself and you know just you know i think that's that's what i'm trying to achieve at the moment just uh sort of like pull myself back a little bit from hmm. this from this kind of you know working in that in this in this sort of field and just enjoying life a bit more hmm. and do you have any coming projects for the future that you want to share or I'm working on a, a couple of things at the moment and um, the, there's a couple of things I want to sort of do for myself, you know, because I, I often sort of made films for charities and organizations and, and companies and that sort of thing. Um, there's sort of two things in particular I'm trying to do at the moment. One of them is, is to write a book about... Um, Storytelling. I think I, I hear a lot of people that sort of talk about they're making a film or writing a book or doing this or doing that. And I often sort of feel like, you know, I think there's a lot of mistakes I think people make. And I think whatever your sort of format is, like understanding the fundamentals of how story can make what you're trying to achieve better and understand like, you know, this is how to make your story compelling this is how to sort of inject the right characters in there hmm. give your characters a good journey give your narrative um structure like put in plot devices to make the tension go up and down at the right points so i'm currently trying to write a book at the moment which which is a bit of a sort of a guide and a kind of look at the sort of science of storytelling which i hope will be a useful thing And I'm also hoping to produce uh, a podcast. Um, a lot of people have said to me in the past, they think my stories from traveling would be really interesting. Yes. I, I sort of personally think like what I have that's better is knowing people across the sector who have 
gone to and done very extraordinary things. And I, I, I would like to do a series of interviews with people across the charity sector who've maybe been working for like, you know, 20, 30, or even 40, 50 years, depending who, who we can find, um, who were, you know, deployed out to places during kind of, you know, very notable times, maybe, I don't know, maybe like the Afghanistan war or, um, you know, Somalia during the 90s when the flooding or, you know, like, like conflicts in different places. Um, and I'm sort of hoping this podcast is going to be, um, you know, like a sort of personal stories of people, like this is why they got into the charity sector, you know, this is how they sort of reflect on the life there. You know, an eyewitness account from people who are on the ground during sort of really sort of dramatic things that happened in the world for the sort of last or like, you know, over the last 50 years. But then also like a reflection on, on you know, how that life has impacted them. And I'm sort of hoping if we can sort of do a collection of interviews and stories from individuals that it should both make quite an interesting project, but also be a bit of a kind of... Um, I get, I guess, a sort of journal of kind of like people's experiences in this sector. I think I, I hope it will be quite interesting, but I guess we'll see. Mm, nice. And do you have any recommendation of a book that you liked recently, or a movie, or I don't know, an artist, whatever? Um, I mean, a book I'm reading at the moment is uh, by a guy called Fergal Keane, who's the one of the BBC's security correspondents. And it's a really interesting, it's, it's a book about post-traumatic stress and it's a really fascinating look into, you know, different types of post-traumatic stress, whether it's generational, whether it's from experiences you've gone through. Um, and I'm finding it a very interesting read. Like, you know, I, I have, I never went as, as sort of far as, as Fergal Keane did. He's, he's a, you know, obviously a big legend in um in that in that sort of field um but it's it's sort of really interesting to sort of hear like some of the experiences i have and some of the kind of way it sort of impacted me is you know i i'm not the only person that's gone through it and it's kind of it's all sort of good to hear that so it's a really good book if you're sort of looking about you know a book about this sort of life you mm. know that's a really good book to read um sort of films to recommend I, I guess like the, the well, it's not, it was actually a TV show and I, I wouldn't actually have thought I would have said this because I'm not a sort of a big fan of the sort of the wider thing. <laughs> but, you know, going back to what I was saying before, like sometimes you find the gem in the rough, you know, sometimes or a diamond in the rough. Sometimes, you know, for all the rubbish out of there and all the garbage that are there, sometimes you just find something really good. And I would thoroughly recommend the first series of Andor if you have not had the chance to watch it. <laughs> and I hear there's someone else who's uh, going to be in season two, which is very exciting. Um, but yeah, like one of the sort of best produced things I've seen for a long time, like really compelling and brilliantly cast and acted and the production is just excellent. And I was just not expecting it to be as good as it was. And I, I've, I've watched it multiple times and I was like, just just brilliant you know nice. <laughs> do more things like this please <laughs> a call to the words yes. <laughs> well do you want to direct people to uh, your website maybe or how if they want to contact you um how best to contact me hmm. 
I can also put the details in I the I think notes. it might be the GS, probably. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't have a sort of specific website, but, um, but yeah, I have my content. I've got like, like a LinkedIn account, so I can put Fantastic. it on there. So. Thank you so much, Good. Ben, for yeah. the time and... Yeah, well... Thank you very much. <laughs> that was very good. I enjoyed that. 